1: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to the 2019 Offseason season Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined today by a very special guest... Really glad to have him on. I have no idea why he continues to keep coming on this podcast and talking to me, but I'm very pleased that he does. He is the senior political correspondent for National Review, a published author. He hosts his own podcast every day called The Three Martini Lunch. Plus, he's got another podcast called The Jim and Mickey Show. And he's got a morning newsletter that he sends out every morning called The Morning Jolt, which I recommend subscribing to. Basically, this guy does everything except... Get satisfaction watching the Jets most of the time, Mister Jim Garrity. Jim, what's going on, man?
3: Oh, Scott, you've summarized my life very well. You know, why do I do this uh, this podcast? Because I get to talk about what I actually, and I'm making air quotes as I say this, enjoy. Um, <laughs> because you know, I, I, most of the time I'm covering politics. Uh, Mickey and I talk about pop culture. People will see me with, a, with a, a gloomy look on my face. I'll say, "What's wrong? Is there some new scandal?" Oh God, what 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 do the what do Republicans do now? What's the <laughs> Uh, or you know, oh, is there, are they rebooting Twin Peaks again? And is it gonna be disappointing again? Like, no, no, no. The Jets hired Adam Gase. That's why I'm walking around with a gloomy look on my face. <laughs>
2: <So>. <laughs> I don't know what's more disastrous. Some of these Hollywood remakes are some of the decisions the Jets have made in the last couple of years. So let's hope yeah. the Jets get on track and do a little bit better than some of these disastrous Hollywood remakes. And if they are going to get on track, Jim, you know that the guy who is going to be the architect of this is the man who's been at the controls the last couple of years, Mike McCagnon. He sticks around as general manager. Let's start there. What are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, uh not terribly thrilled by it. And let me emphasize for every one of these these guys I talk about. When I talk about, you know, Gase, Mac, Bowles, I want to see him work out. I, I don't want to be characterized as a hater. I don't want to be characterized as somebody who has an axe to grind. There is, you know, I would love for a year from now or two years from now or five years from now to be here talking with you and saying, wow, Mac turned out to be, really turned it on and made some terrific selections. He was just the right guy to be his GM after a rock start." Or, Boy, Adam Gay's, you know, wide-eyed intensity he brought to this team—the <laughs> deadly <laughs> stare of, of, of competitiveness he brought. I'd love to say that everybody in Jets management is making the right decision. I think it's safe to say, looking at what they've seen on the field, we haven't seen that. So the first thought with Mac is—and um, I kind of put to you, Scott—looking back after we also, oh my, the, the, the Bulls was a goner after the, the loss to Buffalo. They were down forty to three or whatever it was in the first half utter embarrassment this is right around veterans day and remember like "Oh, are they going to fire bowls during the during the bye week you know is they, they're going to shake things up or something they did not and bowls was a dead man walking for the second half of the season did that help the team um i mean like, the idea is that oh firing a coach halfway through the season is a is an embarrassment is it more embarrassing to be fired mid-season or is it more embarrassing to be everybody to know you're gone at the end of the season but everybody's pretending it's not happening I'm not sure that that, you know, that that was the first decision where I was like, wow, we're just writing off the rest of the season, hoping, Sam you know, Sam Donald sat out a bunch of games, they said his foot was hurting him and all that stuff, so my question about how they manage the back end of the season and the end of the Bulls regime is troubling, you let Bulls go, you cast a very wide net for coaches, which seemed like the right thing to do, um, Scott, I was among the guys who thought Adam Gase being included in there was like that was just being that's just for being complete. <laughs> that's just to complete the set. <laughs> um, we want to do this in order to just make sure uh we're not leaving anybody out. But I really never thought the Jets would be that serious looking at him because it's you know, when when Gase got fired, I don't remember the reaction around NFL fans or around the league being, Oh my god, I can't believe the Dolphins let Gase go. There was just kind of a oh. I'm going to let him go. That's a little early. Okay. But you know, you know there was generally this sense that Gase had been um, an era of mediocrity and that he you know, he had some good games and, and some bad games and I'll talk a little bit more about him in a second. But so McKagan, you know, out of all the selections you could make, it looked like he was you know he he had made a bunch of right choices. Now you started seeing some coaches getting snapped up. I was intrigued by enemy. Uh, over at Kansas City, and not just because they bring uh, Chris Berman out of retirement at ESPN <laughs> for all the nicknames you could do with his last name. You know, Coach sleeping with the enemy! The, you know.
2: <laughs> I remember uh, that well, Eric sleeping right. with the enemy. That was one of there the all-time go. Berman classics.
3: Yeah. I was ready to start. You know, all right, Let's start fresh. Let's go with one of these up-and-coming college coaches. I realize it's a gamble, but you know what? We've got the young quarterback. If you put a great offensive mind with Sam Darnold, I feel good about things. And for all we know, maybe the Jets did that. They went with Gase, and you could just kind of feel the fan. Like here's the thing: I, I again, I'd love to be wrong. I'd, I'd love to say, "Wow, were we a bunch of fools for being skeptical of Adam Gase?" And having looked at all the stuff that Gase has done throughout his career, in the days and weeks after the, uh, uh, after, after the hiring, you guys did a fantastic job. A lot of great articles. I think Gase's career as a head coach—you you can feel confidence until he gets to Miami. Until he actually starts being a head coach, he's got the kind of resume you want to work with the Sam Darnold. And then in Miami it gets a little messy. <laughs> you know, there's not that sterling record of success that you'd like to see. Now I am open to the argument that Adam Gase does not deserve all the blame for what went wrong in Miami. Ownership decisions make a you know are a factor. Uh are some players malcontents and troublemakers and not willing to give hundred percent? Sure. You know, some portion of the blame sometimes it's luck, right? Then again, you look at how they beat the Patriots on that last uh, that last game. There, maybe sometimes the, the ball bounced his way a few times. I, I really want to see Adam Gase succeed. But if we go eight and eight this year and seven and nine the following year, or something like that, it's not like you could say, "Oh my goodness, who could have predicted mediocrity from Adam Gase?" And, and my fear is that after three seasons of being in that five and eleven, four and twelve range, the Jets fans would kind of find eight and eight to be feel good and, I, and i'm going to be very disappointed if uh your, your co-blogger uh, joe Caparoso and some of the other guys have been talking about if we've been down so long that mediocrity starts to feel like success to us
1: judy was boring hello then judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
4: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
4: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I had a lot of the same thoughts when Gase was hired and I'm not going to hide from that. I hope he does well. Like you said, I would love to be wrong. And he turns out to be the next offensive version of Bill Belichick. But, There were just too many warning signs in Miami for me, and like you said, everything as an offensive coordinator was fine, but once he got into that head coaching role, everything beyond just calling the plays and having the right X's and O's became a major issue, and I don't think that's something that gets solved overnight. I think it's generally something that you need to get demoted or take a year or two away from the game, reflect, kind of change everything, and come back, get another shot at it, another Another bite at the apple and go at it a different way. People forget that Bill Belichick wasn't a head coach again for about five years. not saying that always has to be the case, but it seems very rare that a guy comes off of such a short first stint as a head coach and then goes on to be successful. Now, I hope that we're both wrong, and I hope we're both wrong about Mike McKagan because... I share your concerns about him as well, where the fan base and a lot of the media has accepted the narrative that it's okay to settle for certain levels. I still think that his draft record is interesting in the sense that you'll hear people defending somebody like Jordan Jenkins as a great pick in the third round. And don't get me wrong, Jenkins is fine. But he's about what you should expect from a third-round player. It's not like the Jets got Alvin Kamara in the third round or somebody like Trey Flowers in the fourth. And I actually posted this on Twitter, Jim, that what separates – A strong franchise from a weak one is the difference between drafting Leonard Williams at number six overall and drafting Trey Flowers at number 101 overall. And what I mean by that is not that Leonard Williams is a bad player, but that you arguably got a better player in the fourth round than who the Jets got with the number 6 overall pick. So Mac's going to have to change that, obviously, if this is going to get going in the right direction. And like you said, Adam Gase is another one. We're going to have to see something different than what we saw in Miami, at least from a managerial standpoint. And I assume that those are the majority of the concerns that you have as well, right? His ability to manage staff and to be on the same page with players?
3: Yeah, um, that's a good point. There's one aspect I haven't seen discussed a great deal, and this could very well be my own kind of uh, cultural bias or something, but I, I noticed that, look, when you need to make tell a story about the temptations and the sins and the ugly and sordid side of professional football, I notice, Scott, that people tend to pick Miami. <laughs> Any given Sunday by uh, Oliver Stone, Ballers, the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson series, and so I kind of have this interesting theory that Miami is actually seen as um the the temptation Shangri La for professional football <laughs> uh, that this is where players go to get in trouble. Now, I don't know if you actually can necessarily say that they've had more discipline issues on the part of the Miami Dolphins than on other franchises. But look, when you know when when LeBron James was had had enough time of the joys and excitement of Cleveland, he said, "I'm taking my talents to South Beach." He didn't say, "I'm going to play." Miami Heat. He said, I'm taking my talents to South Beach where all the women are beautiful and they're in bikinis all the time and the weather is always great and the clubs are fun and the citron and vodka is playing and everybody's got sports cars. And it generally is a formula for trouble. This is one of the reasons why I'm wary about the Oakland Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Look, legalized gambling, the mob, and, and you know, Sin City all around. What's the worst that could happen when you take forty five young men who are millionaires and <laughs> put them? Up? What what could go wrong, right? So I kind of wonder if when if you say, oh, you know, Adam Gates had a lot of, you know, had a lot of disciplinary issues down in Miami and lost the locker room and rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. Maybe some of that. Maybe Miami is a more challenging environment to be a head coach than a lot of other cities. Now, look, it's not like you know, it's not like New York City. <laughs> it's small time and doesn't have temptations, and doesn't give the players opportunities to get in trouble. And in fact, I'd say that was one of the real disappointments of the Todd Bowles era. And again, I don't know how much you put on Todd Bowles, but it did feel like every couple of months on the on the you know, uh, in the off season with the Jets. Like, what did Robbie Anderson do now? Oh, for heaven's sake. Come on. What what they don't you guys can't check the speed limits? You know, the kind of the things <laughs> and again, most of the players didn't lose a ton of time, but it was kind of just frustrating when you have a player and you realize he's not going to be available for a certain number of games because he was you know did something stupid and, and got himself suspended for a bit. Um look, in case, you know, re- reimpose discipline and keep everybody on the same page and all that stuff. I noticed this thing doesn't happen much in New England. You know, maybe maybe Boston's not as much a fun town. <laughs> <Maybe>
4: there's
3: just <laughs> not as much to do out there. But, you know, when, when everybody is bought into the program and everybody has a certain amount of just discipline and good judgment to not get themselves in that kind of trouble, uh, I'll feel better. I will give credit for this. So I, here's the, probably the best sign for the Jets offseason. I did not think they were going to successfully sign Greg Williams. Uh, as your listeners may or may not know, live in the D.C. area. Redskins were a late entrance into the uh, Greg Williams sweepstakes. And they didn't get him. And so I find it reassuring that, you know, Dan Snyder's millions could not bring him. Oh, by the way, the Redskins didn't have an opening on defensive coordinator. They were openly courting <laughs> Greg Williams while they still had a guy.
2: That's such a Daniel a Snyder, Snyder thing to do, isn't it?
3: Right. I mean, when, when people say the Jets are the worst run franchise in the NFL, I always want to raise my finger and say, wait a second. They're bad. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> bottom five, bottom ten. But the Redskins are still there, folks. And... Um, Greg Williams, I, you know, it's exciting. Uh, he's always been aggressive and attacking and, uh, uh, well he's, he's just a, he's just a Boba Fett bounty hunter, isn't he? Uh, when it comes to defensive coaching, um, but look, you know, idea, he's got a, he's got a probably, he's got a, a record that reassures me more than Adam Gases does. Um, I think the Jets defense will probably be better and more aggressive and, and, uh, um, just overall solid disciplinarian. If he and Gase could get along, it would be one of the most fascinating dramas of the entire season. Um, but look, if Gase focuses on what he's good at and what he knows better, and Williams is basically an assistant head coach running the defensive side of the ball, that's, that's an arrangement that could work out quite well and possibly give the Jets better coaching uh, than they've had. And I think uh, one of the laments of the Todd Bowles era was that um, for a bunch of guys who seemed like first-class guys, the Jets did not seem well-coached week after week. They didn't come out of, the, you know, out of the gate with a big burst. Not a lot of great halftime adjustments. Not a lot of unbelievably dynamic, creative, surprising game planning. Um, you know, I, this is one of those things where Gase and Williams, just by getting to average or slightly above average, uh, could actually pretty significantly improve the performance of the Jets in the, uh, in the season to come.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: What do you make of the potential drama between Joe Vitt and Greg Williams? Does that concern you? I know that they've come out and said that they buried the hatchet a couple of years ago, but there's still got to be some festering animosity there, right?
3: I mean, I'd like to think that if you think you're going to have a problem with a guy like that, and particularly if you're Greg Williams and you've got a bunch of teams that are interested in you, that you go somewhere else. Right, you know that the or or flip side for VIT, right? That if you think you know Williams is uh, an embarrassment to the game, or or something like that. Both of these guys, look, you're both you're on the same team now. If you got a problem with each other, there's the door, right? And that either one of these guys, I'd like to think that they mean it. Uh, On the other hand, maybe these guys feel like they've resolved the differences now, and uh, time goes by, and you end up with the, the pressures of a season. You have a couple games not go your way maybe they turn into a convenient scapegoat for each other um so yeah all of the things being equal i'd rather not have that issue on my staff particularly the other issue about the hiring of greg williams son and all that stuff but none of that's reassuring but uh look if if the team goes out and wins all of this will fade away very quickly if a team doesn't go out and win all of a sudden you know uh we're going to turn into a nighttime soap opera uh, on long island uh, on a, a nighttime soap opera in
4: new jersey
2: Jim, before we get into free agency, I want to ask you, since you and I have been rooting for this team for roughly the same amount of time, what your thoughts are on Darnold going forward? How optimistic are you based on what you saw last year?
3: Really optimistic in light of how I think I look back at one of the two most amazing things about the season, otherwise a very disappointing season for the Jets, were one was how good Darnold looked when nothing around him was going right. And the flip side of that is how little the team did to help Darnold. Um, And I I put this on a bunch of the other players. The line last year was not good. It was not good in run blocking, and it was not good in pass blocking. Um, At least a lot of games. There are a lot of times. You know, it's great to see Darnold doing that amazing scrambling and extending the play with his legs and rolling out this way and then reversing and going right. And that amazing play against Buffalo late in the season. But um, you you know what I really like to see, Scott? Pass protection. <laughs> so you have to do that. That's you know. That, that'd be even better. Um, and so that you know, look, the, the drop passes. Um, I had gone into the season to curse fan, and uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Arima Darcey, don't let the door hit you on the way out. Just a lot of frustrating drop passes. Um, uh, the running game was really nothing special. I think uh, we'll, we'll get into free agency a bit here, but I. I I'm not madly in love with Isaiah Kroll. Um, I'm sad to see Bilal Powell go, but it looks like between age and injuries and other factors. He's probably on the way out. Um, I liked Eli McGuire and Trenton Cannon, uh, but I don't think either one of them looked like anything you know world-beating or special in, in there. So look, for, for being on an offense that had um, lousy pass protection, a lousy running game, and receivers who kept dropping passes all the time. Darnold did really well. If he gave him pieces around him, I can't wait to see what it's like. Um, so I, I'm really – I think Gar- Sam Darnold did just about everything you'd want a rookie quarterback to do, with the exception of maybe a couple of the spate of the interceptions around the middle of the year. When it became very clear, look, the Jets were in a in – a, like, was, was it a three-game losing streak, a five-game losing streak – our streaks never. Our streaks usually tend to go on a while, um, and it's just very clear that you know he was forcing the ball, and that's that's the sort of thing a rookie quarterback is going to do. Your coaching staff has to try to try to calm him down and tell him not to take the shots. But look, he he knew, that he, knew he was trying to make something happen, uh, and I don't give him that much grief uh, for that. Now, if it keeps as a habit in the future, I'll be worried. But uh, by rookie standards, I'm very happy with what we saw out of Darnold last year.
2: In order to get that pass protection that you're talking about, they're going to have to look at free agency and the draft, and they're going to do that to fill a variety of holes. But before we get to external free agency and the draft that's coming up in April, I wanted to talk about the guys that are already here that are now on the free agent market. We know that they locked up Quincy Nuna. Anybody else that you think the Jets should pay extra special attention to and try to bring back? And other than Curse, anybody else that you would like to see go somewhere else?
3: Um, I think, are um, anybody, sorry, anybody who went to the Pro Bowl, you're back. <laughs> <laughs> so, kicker, kick returner, you know, like we, we haven't had a surplus of Pro Bowlers or, or pro, uh, I think it was Andre Roberts, sorry. Uh, but yes, Andre Roberts, I bring him back. Uh, I can't, cause is also like, yeah, I I can't imagine he's gonna be a budget breaker. Um, And, you know, look, when he's got that kind of moves and elusive speed and elusiveness on kick returns, look, I I have not played the game at at any level higher than flag football, Scott, but I don't understand why you if you're that good on kick returns, why is it on offense can't get the ball into your hands and you use those exact same skills? Is it you're only that good when you have 30 30 yards of of a head start of running from the back of the end zone? know um but anyway so you know he looked I, it, there's potential there but Mo, you look over that long list of Jets players who need to be brought back there are not a lot we're like ooh, we got to keep that guy um you know there, there's a bunch of guys yeah it'd be nice to keep him here nice to keep him there um but I'm I, I'm ready for the Jets to go out into free agency and uh I'm trying to think of the approach yep, yeah, they're gonna sp- <laughs> you ready for this guy they're gonna spend money like Robert Kraft in a whorehouse.
2: Oh no! <laughs> actually, I shouldn't say
3: that because apparently it's very cheap there. Um,
2: I guess that many, means like, they're going Congress bargain bin agency. shopping, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Actually, that's exactly the opposite <laughs> metaphor I wanted to make there. But, uh, but yeah, I'm ready to see the Jets go bonkers in free agency, and I kind of feel like you know, as uh, it's noted on this, on the site quite a bit. Boy, it seems like almost every free agency period, the Jets are going in with wow, almost as much cap space as anybody else. I don't know about you, Scott, I feel like we very rarely come out of it with like, a, yeah, we went out and we got the guys we wanted, you know. Um, I remember at the beginning of the Rex Ryan uh, era, he he had knocked up at the door of, uh who was the linebacker for the Ravens? Bart Came Scott. Over to there you go, Bart Scott. He showed up at Bart doors, you know, mid, he wasn't allowed to talk to players until midnight. So 12.01, <laughs> he's knocking on the front door. And you know, be like some of that is the shtick of Rex and the player's coach that he is. But I looked at that and I was like, all right, you know, talking, we're going out and we're recruiting. None of this cupcakes for uh, Hightower. <laughs> Here's what he visited? We, you know, we're showing that there are players we want to bring them here, and uh, uh, and it works. So I, I'm hoping. Like, look, as I I get infuriated every time I see when the season starts and people say the Jets actually still have one of the highest numbers of of available cap space. Because, Scott, to me, available cap space is a giant pile of money at the end of your bench that never tackles anybody, never catches anything, never blocks it. It's sitting there where a better player is supposed to be. There is one time of year where it's good to have a lot of cap space, and it's approaching very quickly. I think it's is it March 13th they're officially allowed to start signing people. I think that's the date. So that day, and by the end of – by within two or three days – you should not have the most available cap space. By the end, two or three days or whatever, maybe it'll be a slower, you know, frenzy this year. Um, but I find that's one of the most exciting sports days of the year, particularly if you're a Jets fan, because you, it's official, it's beginning, you're listening to sports radio all day long, they're constantly updating, and you're waiting for the Jets to get in the game. And it's like, you know, and for $10 million, they're bringing back Josh McCown. Uh, yay. <laughs> you know, and the, this, this constant sentiment. so I want to see the Jets go bonkers in free agency. Um, and if you're if you're McKay, why not? Because your job can't be that secure. There's got to be at least some warmth beneath that seat. Um, and it's not like the Jets have a lot of positions where you'd say, oh, we're totally set there. There's no point in going out and signing these guys.
2: The last time the Jets would have, quote-unquote, won free agency was probably 2015 when they brought Darrell Revis back. Little did they know that in winning free agency, they had actually lost free agency that year. And to your point about the cap space, as my friend Jason Love likes to say, all having a lot of cap space does is show that it's been a few years since you've drafted well. Because if you draft well, yeah. you have to use that money to lock up your own players. And so that is why the Jets have been sitting on this cap space for the bulk of the Mcagnan era. And it's not entirely Mcagnan's fault because obviously it goes back to Idzik and then even further back to the Tannenbaum era. But there hasn't been a lot of drafting that would lead to major contract extensions. And that's a lot of the reason why they have this pile of cash that you talked about, Jim. But they are going to try to spend it because they do have a lot of holes. We know that they have an emerging Sam Darnold at 21 years old. They've got to surround him with talent. This is the rookie QB window, so they've got four more years until they actually have to start paying Darnold the quote-unquote fair market value. So let's talk about some of the pieces that they could add. We know about Le'Veon Bell, so I'm going to save him for last. Any other guys that you look at on the free agent market or any specific positions that you think the Jets should do whatever they have to do to fill in free agency?
3: Well, for starters, they let Spencer Long go. Uh, good riddance. And but I, I remember this is a good example of, of my, my my wavering faith in McKagan. There were a couple of guy, a couple of centers out there last season, and we kind of knew that the, uh, that the the Jets needed one. That the guy who they brought in to replace Mangold, the year before had been a disappointment after looking okay in a couple of games as a backup. Um, and there was one guy from the Broncos, I think was an all pro and there was another guy from the Raven I might, be, I might be mixing them up, but there were a couple of premium centers out there and we went out and got Spencer long coming off an injury and when he played for the redskins he 'd been okay not not an all star not a you know but, uh, so hold the fort kind of guy and so the jets went I believe he was the only free agent they they added to the uh uh, the offensive line last year. And it was kind of a, really? That's, you, you're, you're that secure. You get the, you get, because you, my attitude had always been, in my, my hope for the previous year had been, okay, if you're in a really lousy situation, build your team around the, you know, what you, with the space for the quarterback and then go out and get your quarterback. And if that starts with the line, you definitely need strong protection. So they let, uh, long go. Uh, everybody expects James Carpenter is going to hit the free agent market. And, oh, by the way, I don't know about you, Scott, I am not confident Brandon Shell is going to come back 100%. And that's not a knock on Brandon Shell. I think, you know, in terms of his uh, uh, determination and grit and, and all that stuff, that was just an ugly, bad injury, and I just never like counting on somebody coming back 100% and ready to start on day one. Um, and, you know, right tackle is a pretty darn important spot. So you're looking at, like, three spots minimum. that <laughs> You might have to add somebody. <laughs> So at that point, um, you you could address this to the draft. I think we'll probably get to that in a little bit. But, man, oh, man, to me, I, I, I want to see the Jets go bonkers. And I don't mind, uh, uh, you know, I, this is a situation where I don't mind overpaying. Um, Trent Brown of the Patriots uh, is a possibility there. And, look, anytime you can take away a Patriot, strikes me as pretty good. Um, I know, now here's the I didn't watch the Giants well enough to know that if the guy they signed for the Patriots turned out to be a Real great addition. I know there were several games last year where it looked like Eli Manning was running for his life. But you know what? Look, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm willing to overpay to take away a Patriot because not only do you get somebody there, but you end up with a, uh, uh you you end up creating a problem for up in New England. Now, obviously, Belichick tends to find, go down to the local bus station, find them, put on the Patriots uniform, and somehow that seems to transform them into excellent players. But uh, that, uh, Mitch Morse, the Chiefs, uh, looking really good. Um, we'll talk a bit more. A couple options in the draft. Um, I think there was one other guy who I was uh, very intrigued by. Um, and there are a couple of guys coming off injuries. Darrell Williams of the Panthers. But this is like, I want to see the Jets go out and maybe overdo it. <laughs> offensive <laughs> line. You know, you know, if you end up with having six really good guys, I'm sure you can figure out some formation. Or alternatively, offensive line tends to be one of those positions where somebody gets hurt your bodies are constantly crashing into each other it's not a bad thing to have depth um, even if you ended up getting say three really good offensive linemen in free agency uh, the, the argument is you never get really good uh, uh, offensive linemen in free agency now Kevin Malai, off to Canton as a Hall of Famer this year was a free agent signing by the Jets but yes generally like there seems to be this attitude of we're not going to overpay in free agency well everybody overpays in free agency right because they're teams that need them <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just the nature of it. And so it's one of those things where I'm not going to overpay. You don't have anybody on your line. You have to. You're in this position where you have to overpay. But the good news is, because of your cap space, you can overpay. So this is the moment where you should be going out and punishing the other teams that don't have the cap space. And I feel like this is a, you know, it's one of the few advantages the Jets have. They never seem to be willing to really go after. Um, so yeah, so anytime you've got somebody good for the Patriots or, or any other division rivals, Uh, hitting the free agent market. Go out and get them just to create more headaches for them down the road.
4: With
5: Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
5: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: This
1: is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: It's a matter of supply and demand, and that's why anybody who's good that actually makes it to free agency generally will get paid because most of the guys that make it to free agency are flawed in some major way. Now, we'll talk about a guy like Matt Paradise, for instance. The reason why he is probably going to make it to free agency is that he's coming off a pretty major injury. You look at a guy like Morse, another one who's been hurt quite a bit, and that's the reason that he may make it to free agency. Roger Saffold, the guard with the Rams, who may or may not make it to free agency, he's 31 years old, so he's a guy on the back end of his prime. These are all the situations that you walk into with these guys. Very rarely are you going to get somebody who has very little on-field baggage. There is one guy in this particular case, and we're going to get to him in a second. But I think you're right. I think what the Jets really need to do here is they need to attack free agency aggressively and look to add players that are going to have impact. So whether that's Paradise, Trey Flowers, Anthony Barr, obviously Le'Veon Bell, who we'll talk about in a little bit. And then there are other players that you could look at as well as far as other receivers. You might want to go after an Adam Humphreys or something. You want to add at least three or four Pro Bowl to All-Pro level talents this offseason between the draft and free agency because there's no way that the Jets are going to become a Super Bowl contender in 2019, but... If you put the right pieces in place this year and start to really build and go into 2020 with some draft capital and some really good players already on the roster, now you're building something that could turn into what we saw with the Eagles a couple of years ago. So 2020 should be the year that you're really targeting to make a deep run. 2019, you compete for a playoff spot. And the way to do that is to put pieces in place that can be building blocks that you can go forward with. We saw this, actually, if you remember, Jim, in 2008 when they went out and they got Calvin Pace and they got Alan Fanica and they got Damian Woody. And so 2009 ended up being the year that they really made a run And I think the Jets really need to follow that model this year. And again, it could come any combination. It could be the free agency. It could be the draft. But they've got to add impact players. And then you fill out the roster with guys that are maybe experienced but toward the end of their run and willing to accept a one-year deal and some younger players that are flyers and you take a chance on them and have them come in and compete for the job. The last thing you want to do is a lot of what the Jets did last year, quite frankly, give contracts – to guys that are middle-of-the-road at best free agents, probably slightly below average. And then you have a situation like you have now where is probably going to be out of here. Spencer Long is already gone. You could go down the list of guys that they brought in here that didn't yeah. make a difference. You hope that Tremaine Johnson turns it around because he was the big fish from last offseason. Will they land yeah. the big fish this offseason? I don't know. We're going to find out because the big fish is Le'Veon Bell. Last year they went after Kirk Cousins. We know, Jim, that they ended up not getting him. Could have been a blessing in disguise. Time will tell on that one. He ended up going to Minnesota, and so the Jets get Sam Darnold. They moved on and they went another direction in free agency. Tremaine Johnson ended up being their big signing this year. We expect, although there's nothing guaranteed, but we expect that they'll make a run at Le'Veon Bell, the multiple-time All-Pro running back And like I said to you before, Jim, he's the rare case of a guy that never, ever should have made it to free agency. Now, there are mitigating factors beyond the contract. He's had injuries, he's had suspensions, and there's been some talk that maybe he's rubbed teammates the wrong way. All of that factors in here. But the main reason that he's a free agent is because he didn't like the franchise tag offer and he didn't want to sign the contract that they were offering him that didn't give him the kind of guaranteed money he was looking for. So he held out. Stood his ground, and now he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So the question is, Le'Veon Bell, running back, which is, as we know, a fairly low-impact position. But Le'Veon Bell, arguably the best at that position, if not certainly in the top three. We know the baggage, we know the downsides, but we also know the electrifying player that he can be. What do you think? Le'Veon Bell, yes or no?
3: All right. I'm gonna actually. I'll I'll do Le'Veon Bell, but I want to jump back to Kirk Cousins with an observation about last year in a second. But um, I started out extraordinarily skeptical of Le'Veon Bell, and if the Jets happen to sign Le'Veon Bell, I'm sure someone will go back through my Twitter feed and find all of my tweets where I said, "Eh, this guy quit on his teammates. He quit on his team. He's a head case. He walked away from the game. Who who would want this guy as a teammate?" Et cetera, et cetera. Um, But I've come around, and I think I've come around to the point where, like, I think indisputably, Le'Veon Bell is a gamble. He is a gamble, I think, in part because it seemed like he had a pretty good situation in Pittsburgh, uh, a team that was pretty darn good and competitive, uh, regular playoff contender. Um, he the team with the, 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 the you know, in addition to the the, um, uh, the, the uh, franchise offer. At one point, the offer on the table from the Steelers was the biggest contract ever given to a running back ever. So I don't think you can reasonably say that the Steelers are being tight-fisted or stingy or or something like that um And it just it's odd to see a guy who is in more or less the prime of his career and in a position where the tread tends to tends to come off the tire pretty quickly uh to walk away from the game for an entire season and it kind of makes you think know oh, what's what's with this guy what's what really drives him what motivates him seems kind of erratic and unpredictable and you know if he came here, would he be happy? Having said that, what he can do and what we saw with him at his peak at the Steelers um, that would presumably you know I talked about all the lack of tools that Sam Darnold had earlier. This would be a very big tool. And not just running the ball, but also just, you know, taking very good at catching passes out of the backfield. Um, he becomes one of those players that the opposing defenses have to have to think about in every play. Um, I remember when the Jets went out and got Curtis Martin after I think it was nineteen ninety eight. Um and it was just one of those or was it ninety eight? Yeah. Ninety eight or ninety seven he you know, Parcells had moved and Martin had come in, and there had been a bit of, out oh, did the Jets overpay for this? How how big was Curtis Martin to the success of the Patriots that year? Well, it turns out Curtis Martin was very big and obviously one of the few Hall of Famers in that stuff. I don't know that Le'Veon Bell is an next Curtis Martin, but when you can get that, that level talent player and you don't have to give up a draft pick for him and you don't have to trade for him, you at least make a serious, serious push for it. If nothing else, if you don't get him, you run up the the, the asking price, presumably, for other teams. That having been said, by the way, Scott, I don't think the Jets will get him. I, I think there are a lot of teams that will be interested, a lot of money thrown. I think the one that worries me, and as soon as I mentioned this on Twitter, everybody just kind of like, you could just feel the shudder going through the entire NFL community. Uh, I think he would probably be very happy to work at, at Indianapolis Colts, who, by the way, have more cap space than we do. So picture this playoff team, which went into Houston and beat Houston, not a bad team, you know, uh, ran into, you know, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs and had trouble, but has, you know, Andrew Luck, Fully come back, clearly one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL again. Now add Le'Veon Bell to that offense? Ugh, that, that could be, a, you know, the next great powerhouse uh, of the AFC in Indianapolis there. So um, I think that's a very fearful option for, for the Jets. Uh, so that's why, you know, keep, you know, the moment it became official, Le'Veon Bell was a free agent. I was hoping, I'd, I listened carefully, because I wanted to hear McCagan the sound of McKagan putting the key in the ignition of a Brinks truck. That he was going to back up in front of Le'Veon Bell and say, "Hi, do you like money? Do you like green? Because we, our uniforms are green, or at least they are for now. God knows what they're going to be later this spring. Um, and we'll give you lots of money. And, uh, and there you. Go. And also here, here's President Jamal Adams, eager to recruit you uh, with the obsessiveness of a of a jilted girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. You know, Adams is on social media all the time, throwing he will be throwing roses before the feet of Le'Veon Bell if he arrives. Um, <laughs> And that's good for them. God bless them. I think the team needs more more of that sort of thing, generating enthusiasm about playing here. Um, so yeah, if, if they if they got them, all of a sudden the season becomes you know a, a lot more interesting. Um, now look, they, sorry, my suspicion is that any team that signs Le'Veon Bell will get two to three really good years out of them. And then probably the, there'll be a, a gradual slide after that that would just happen to align very well with the rookie contract of uh, of Darnold if the Jets were to sign him. Um, you know, would, would he be a, a bit of an ego, a bit of a head case, so you'd have to babysit and make sure he's always happy? Probably. But you know what? Um, there, you know, this is the NFL. You're, you're going to have those kind of personalities on your team. So maybe, you know, uh, by the way, I, my attitude is, is Adam Gase is not the guy who I've my first choice to manage a personality like that, but we'll, we'll see how that uh, works out there. Um, you know, the, the other thing, I, I, I've heard a couple ominous things where apparently the Jets are concerned about his whether he's stayed in shape. Scott, running backs are probably the position where they, one of the reasons they drop off in value so quickly is that generally they get banged up. They're getting tackled almost every play. Um, a lot of hard hits. You know and and eventually that takes its toll, and you're not as fast as you used to be, and you're uh you know not at the same quickness and- manu- you know all that kind of stuff and that you know so it, I'm not sure why a year off from football would necessarily be bad for Le'Veon Bell at the running back position i, I would expect for him to come into camp if they were assigned him with, with super fresh legs and and looking great, so it's a little surprising to hear that from the jets and and I worry I hope that's not you know. Either it's setting up, you're trying to discourage the other teams or you're, you know, trying to make an excuse for not signing him. Or maybe the Jets really aren't all that impressed by him. Um, But it feels kind of hard to believe that Le'Veon Bell would let himself get that much out of shape um, if he really does want to get this super-duper contract this offseason.
6: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten
5: mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
2: This is
1: the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: Next up on the roundtable, one of my favorite contributors to turn on the chads Digital because not only is he a really funny guy, but I'm told he makes excellent collard greens. Not that I would know because even though he said he would bring me some, he still hasn't yet. You can catch him on the great show there's always next year with Josh Conrad and Brian Bassett. Mr. Travis Milton. Travis, what's going on, man?
4: Hey there! I'm uh, I'm actually flying into Teeterboro on the 26th, It's kind of a uh, uh, up one day and back. But if uh, if you're going to be anywhere near Teeterboro Airport, um, I can I can shuttle you some collars.
2: We're gonna have to talk about this because if there's collard greens involved, I think I could make myself near Teeterboro Airport.
4: <laughs> well, it's not that far from the stadium. I mean, like uh, you know, I I, I try to. Like I, I think about stopping every time I'm in, but I don't know what's going on in those offices. So I don't think they're going to let me in. I'm talking about
2: crap. Yeah, I don't think anybody knows what's going on, least of which the man making the decisions behind the scenes, Mr. Mike McCagnin. I heard the addition of There's Always Next Year following the hiring of Adam Gase, so I know you're not super high on that, but we'll come back to that first. What do you think about the Jets keeping Mike McCagnin?
4: Oh, God. Um I'm still destroying my liver from Mcagnus. Um, I mean, just, just the 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 weird dumpster fire that is now created. I think you and I have talked round and round about how how this just coaching staff is becoming a, a WWE angle, um, and he's just letting it happen. Um, I, you know, and and that again goes back to the power struggle. I've read in a couple places where. Where Chris Johnson has said that the, the power structure has actually changed, but he's not willing to talk about it in the press, which I don't under, I, I don't get whatsoever. And, you know, I, I know that, that theoretically McKagna has no, no, uh, influence on the coaching staff, but, I mean, there comes a day when, when you're standing there and, and you see, you see a dumpster fire. You at least tell somebody to grab some water. I mean, you might not grab it yourself, but, <laughs> I mean, sweet Jesus
2: only you could come up with, <laughs> with something like that to say about the Jets general manager do you have something equally colorful for the new Jets head coach Adam Gase
4: I, I mean I'm, I'm trying my damnedest you know I, I read you know everything on Twitter and like I'm trying this whole hashtag Gase positivity thing and you know I've looked at a little bit of film and, and I, was, I was almost getting on board and then uh, Greg Williams got hired, and I was like, "Oh shit, he might actually be turning the corner." I'm kind of like about that, you know. I think Jamal Adams is going to fit great in that. We're going to get a little bit of dead weight on on the on you know uh, in the outside linebackers and reshuffle the line a little bit to get into this four three base. And then this whole Joe Vitt thing happens, and I I'm I'm at a fucking loss, and it's really hard to make me uh, at, at a loss for words. I think everybody that has ever known me or listened to me knows that, that that is definitely the case, I have no fucking idea why you would hire someone that testified against someone. The only... Actually, let, I just came up with a metaphor that, that is, is, is actually damning to myself. I was going to say, the only thing that I can think of that is as bizarre is officiating a wedding while your ex-wife is one of the bridesmaids, which I'm actually doing this weekend. So I, I, can see the that I have a front row seat to this crazy whatever the hell is going on.
2: I don't even know what to say to that, Travis. But let's move on before I laugh myself into an oblivion. What a bizarre... How do you find yourself in these situations, man?
4: Ha- hashtag bad luck decisions. Uh, one of my cooks actually <laughs> bought me a shirt that said... Uh, My mom is really disappointed in the decisions I make. And in parentheses, it says (laughs) every (laughs) day.
2: Well, hopefully the Jets make good decisions and we don't have to send those shirts to McCagnon and Gase. And if they do, it's going to start with free agency. We'll get to Le'Veon Bell at the end. But besides Le'Veon Bell, what are some moves that you think they should make both individual player wise and more broadly as far as which positions they should target?
4: You know, I've read a lot of articles talking about we've got some ammunition to do some trades. Um, I, I, we need to make some trades, especially in the wide receiver market. I'm really not on board with the Antonio Brown idea. Um, I, I don't think that's a good situation. I think AJ Green is a much better option if he could be swayed away from the Bengals. Um, I think that it would be cheaper, um, less collateral damage in regards to the draft or cap space um you know I, I think d Ford actually got re-signed and i'm not 100 sure um I, I i think he was he was someone that i was completely enamored with and i was that, that that's an edge that we should go after and uh you know those are the two big ones i'm looking at offensive line i've, I've been kind of all over the board uh with uh Paratus, um, I don't how was his last name. um i think that he would be a huge pickup i think that For me, that would be our number one thing in the draft. Again, I'm I'm an O-line guy. Uh, I I think it starts and ends with those dudes. And, you know, if we can shore up some of that offensive line, that would be amazing. I was kind of on board with re-signing Spencer as a left guard, Uh, but the Bills sneak them out from under us, which, actually, I can't really say that because, I mean, we we do them to the side and, and I was kind of on the fence of that idea. But, you know, when you look at you know, the uh, the numbers that Donald put up in the last four games of the season He came back from injury, uh, those were the games where Spencer Long was playing left guard. You know, he had, a, he had better protection. I won't say it was amazing, but you, you could see the difference in protection and how it affected Donald's play. So first and foremost, that, that's my biggest thing. I know a lot of people are saying edge rusher. You know, I'm, I'm staunch on protecting that dude and giving him time in the pocket uh hoping to run game, however we address that, if it's Le'Veon Bell, if it's saying Kevin Campbell because an old school R and P uh, uh <laughs> fan, but <laughs> Kevin Coleman. Um, you know, whether it's one of those dudes, uh or I saw someone even even float the idea of trying to Snake uh Duke Johnson away with the Browns, uh, with them signing the freaking dude that kicked the girl for months. Um yeah, you know, I, I think that the, I think that there's some offers, but we definitely got to focus on that offensive line first and foremost. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at Chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
5: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: This is the Overtime Podcast
2: Network. I wonder if Tevin Coleman can belt out some good R&B tunes. Now you've put that thought in my head.
4: Uh, he's a great R&B singer. i uh, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, I literally always say Tevin Campbell. And they're like, they're like, you're talking about the dude from the 90s? I'm like, no, 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 the running back for the, for the Falcons. I'm like, no, it's Kevin Coleman. I'm like, oh, that's right. Um, he, he's a good pass-catching uh, running back, much better than Crowell. Um, his his uh, yards per carry are better than Crowell. He, he doesn't have a lot of miles on his legs because they've been you know, switching back and forth between this two, three running back system down there, which I think we're trying to do and everybody else in the NFL is trying to do. Um and, and the, the price tag's much lower. You know, if, if we can, if we can get somebody that's gonna be impactful, take some heat off of them and focus on that offensive line, I that's, that's where my mind is completely at. And I, I may be in the minority in that, but um I would not be mad at all if they find Levy on I think Kevin Coleman, I mean, for the value and for the ability to address so many of the, the numerous needs that we have, uh, with that money in the draft picks, I think that's, that's, that would be my way of going. But yeah, who knows? Uh yeah, having a wedding with Max Boys in it.
2: <laughs> let's get back to Le'Veon Bell in a bit, but first let's talk draft. What do you think they should do? They've got the third pick. Is there a specific player you like there? Would you want to trade down? And are there any other players or positions you'd like to target throughout the rest of the draft? Because as you know, there's no second round pick, but they do have two third rounders.
4: If they don't trade down I mean, I would love to pick up a, a, a another low round, first round or a high round. Second round pick, you know, trade down. I think that there's enough quarterback maybe teams that are willing to uh, ill-advisedly jump at at Keller Murray or uh, what's his name from West Virginia. I, I care so little about him that I can't remember his name. But I know he's on the Giants radar. If, if we can, if we can parlay, you know, that into into uh, a another first round or at least a, a high second, I, that would be my way of, of thinking and go for an offensive lineman. Um, Josh Allen, I, I think, is, is amazing, and I would not be angry if, if, you know, they took him at three, if he's available. Um, I've seen some odd drafts, you know, putting him at one, some putting him at three. I would love to see Josh Allen sack Josh Allen. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, I would not be unhappy if, if we went that route. I know an edge rusher is something that we definitely need, but I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm solid in that offensive line camp. Um you know, I've seen our most successful teams of the past 10, 20 years were right after we, you know, focused, you know, our, our draft capital on the offensive line, you know, that you're picking up Mangold and, and to you know, that, that set us up on the offensive line for 10, 13 years. Um, so if, if we can do that and, and then, you know, keep, keep some of our, our quote unquote war chest, although and I don't, view it as that much of a I trust. A lot of people have been saying, you know, we've got all this money, but we also have a buttload of people that are leaving because we don't need to resign them. So, you know, that, that thing's going to dwindle, so the, the more we can focus on, on value and, you know, getting good players, the better we're going to be.
2: Let's circle back to Le'Veon Bell now if we're talking about good players. What do you think? Would you be willing to basically give him a blank check? I,
4: I'm, I'm I'm a restaurateur, so therefore, like I am I am fiscally conservative by nature. I, I am I'm much more for the, the bang for your buck. Um, I know that he's going to be bang for your buck regardless, but I don't I don't want us to mortgage our future on him. You know, I, I I'm not saying that we shouldn't you know offer him a buttload of money, but it should be market value. Um, you know, time after time, it's it's bad teams that you see writing blank checks for people, um, because it's 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 just things of desperation. And you know, while we may be a little desperate, um, I think we need to, to to start that culture of you know what we are going to offer them boatload of money because it's worth a boatload of money, money. We're not going to give them a blank check because we can we can go somewhere else and improve our team in a different manner with you know some of that money. So. I'm I'm playing that on board with the blank check thing, but I really think that we should go after him, you know, more than due diligence. So uh again, like I am I'm all for the the Kevin Campbell's lieutenant Coleman thing. <laughs> uh, but outside of that, uh you know, I, I don't see a lot of amazing opposite running back, but he certainly is pretty pretty damn amazing. But definitely don't don't load up the Loomis truck and pick it up at his house.
2: Every time you hear the name Tevin, it makes you think of Tevin Campbell. And every time I hear the name Campbell, it makes me think of Naomi Campbell. So I think we've both got thoughts going on in our head at this point, Travis.
0: I've,
4: I've, I've had three shots of whiskey come off for the day. So my mind is already uh, on the jukebox at the uh, at the bar where I'll be playing some Keith Sweat and obviously some Tevin Campbell later.
2: Speaking of your liver and whiskey, let's talk about this for a second. I've been curious to know... By the time free agency and the drafts are over, approximately how much damage to your liver do you think the Jets will have done?
4: Well, you know, luckily, I think we're in this this soft spot of news. Like, I've gotten over the Vitt thing, I've drunk about it, and I'm, 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 I'm accepting of, of the fact that it's happened, and there's, there's nothing anybody can do about it. Um, I think I'm fine until maybe second day of free agency this past year and when second day of free agency hit and we had not done a single thing, I was like, Oh, this is, this is not fun. Um, but aren't helping me either right now. I mean, i I'm, I've never been like a full bore on like the tank mode thing, but, uh, you know, I, I, I would like Ryan Williamson on the team, but, uh, 17 losses in a row is kind of, kind of tough to deal with if you're really, you know, if you actually like a team. So, um, uh, I think I'll be okay as long as I become accepting of the Knicks and the Dodgers look pretty good in spring training and UVA continues on this this good pair and get into the NCAA tournament. I can I can refocus away from the Jets for a minute, uh, but but the draft may be a hard day. Uh, it's never going to be Vernon Gholston day, but it's going to be a hard day.
2: Last order of business, Travis has nothing to do with the play on the field uniforms what do you think where should they go with this and are they going to please the fans or disappoint them with what they ultimately end up doing
4: i'm always debbie downer i'm 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 thinking about it and i'm like you know i just need to buy up all of the the old jerseys that are going to be on clearance um most of the ones i've seen were possible leaks i wasn't too thrilled about some of the helmets i thought were pretty good but I have just got a bad feeling because, like, I don't want. Like, I, I I'm really, I'm you know, green and white. That's best colors. I've seen people suggesting gray and 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 black and green and and I don't I don't know, man. Like, I'm 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 scared. Um, but you know, I, I have no idea. I mean, they they've done nothing to show me that they can do anything successfully and right um, unless they lucked into it. So unless. Unless, you know, Nike and Travis Scott came in and were like, I, lo- I love the, the Cactus deck," Nike, uh, Jordan, Travis Scott doing. So I'm a little weird on that thing because I'm a sneakerhead. But, yeah, they came in and were like, we're going to design a jersey. I probably, all right, this is going be kind of cool. No, I, I think they're going to shit the bed on it. That's that's
2: my Such an optimist But this is what happens when you're a Jet fan For nearly 40 years He is the co-host of There's Always Next Year With Brian Bassett and Josh Conrad Also a world-renowned Chef and he makes excellent collard greens That I'm hoping to taste one day Mr. Travis Milton, Travis thanks so much For coming on, for anybody that doesn't know where to find you Or get your wit and wisdom Why don't you let them know where they can do that
4: Oh yeah follow me on uh twitter um my my handle on twitter is different completely really different than everything else because i i didn't know how to use twitter and I was probably drunk when I did, but it's dash thirty seven board twenty seven on twitter um instagram also, all other social media is uh dash thirty seven board thirty seven or uh at chef travis milton um on both twitter and uh instagram those are more my more chef focused but if you want to see of me listening to Genuine in my car, um, my finger collection, or uh, my just watching Golden Girls while I'm in the gym. Um, that's, that's the Dash 37 four thirty
2: seven. Travis, before you go, one last thing since you brought up the Golden Girls. Let's hear that slogan.
4: I'm, 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 I'm actually going to bring you the shirt. Like I, I'm, I'm going to just, if, if I have to just put it in a box outside of Peterborough <laughs> Airport, I'm going to do it. Um, it's it, 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 My 2019 slogan, it is Dorothy in the streets, Blanche in the sheets. It's words to live by.
2: Milton for president. That is the greatest campaign slogan I've ever heard. Thanks, Travis. All
4: right, dude. Thanks.
2: That'll wrap up another great roundtable. Thanks again to Travis Milton and Jim Garrity. Jim, by the way, had more to say, so we're going to do part two of his roundtable coming up in a couple of days when we do our next roundtable. In the meantime, though, don't forget, for the latest and greatest in New York Jets content and podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.
6: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope
5: with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.
1: 18 plus.